Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Carl Wonders. And I'm Thad Hate. Today we're talking about the sequel to Mission Impossible, creatively titled Mission Impossible 2, released in 2000. Yeah, they won't get to creative titles until 4. They will not, no. This was, what, four years after the first one? Um, yes. So this was a film directed by John Woo, a story by old friends Ronald D. Moore and Brandon Braga of Star Trek, so already we're start talking about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> screenplay is credited to Robert Town, who co-wrote the last movie, although I find no similarity whatsoever in this movie to the last one. It has a character named Ethan Hunt in it. That is true. <laughs> Other than that. Oh, and, and, and Luther Stickles in it, too. Well, apparently that was by design. Like, Tom Cruise wanted each movie to be a completely different kind of story by a different director. Okay. He succeeded. Yeah. Although, apparently, they no longer... St they they have uh, decided to do away with that formula. Well, I guess, what, Christopher McQuarrie won out over Tom Cruise, yeah. I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Or Tom Cruise is like, really liked what McQuarrie did and like, let's keep doing this. Yeah. It, it was a good choice. It was. Yeah. We'll get there later. Yes. Yeah, no, it does. It is kind of... And it is interesting when a franchise does something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Another franchise that I can think that does that is very much like that is the Alien franchise. Yes. Like, if you look at Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3, for being movies starring the same protagonist fighting the same antagonist, they are all very different movies. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say it does it slightly more successfully than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Aliens is a better movie than Mission Impossible Yes. Too. Yes, you are correct. Ha however, this movie is better than Spy Hard. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Now, I might, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out. <laughs> until we watched it for this podcast. Okay. My take-home top line of this movie was, it's not bad for a generic action movie, but it's a terrible Mission Impossible movie. Yep, it is basically just a generic action movie. Like, nothing, there, there are some things that made me cringe in this movie, but there was nothing in it that I hadn't seen done worse in other movies which yeah. is what 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 did you say praising with faint damn or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so roger ebert said that it that it marries minimal character development to seamless action yeah i i can yeah i'll go with that yeah uh i've seen worse movies obviously oh yeah but yeah no i remember coming out you know coming off of the first movie which i think we both like a lot. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing this movie and like, what the F is this movie? <laughs> this is this. Yeah, this is not the same movie. This is so far removed from the first Mission Impossible movie. It, it's like they took that last 15 minutes and said, let's one up that for the entire time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and to be fair, I think the franchise in general has been doing that at least since four. Yeah, no, I think so. Uh, With some yes. exceptions, I think the third movie kind of comes back to Earth a bit. I think the third movie is where the franchise peaks. Yeah, uh, no, I agree. Yes, and I, I, the yes, the later movies are just up the spectacle, and mm -hmm. you know, and honestly, they're great. And I, and, but the thing is, I really like those movies, and I don't really like this one. No, and I mean, those movies have decent antagonists. They have decent plot mm -hmm. that for the most part, makes sense. 
hey, if we got the three and a half hour John Woo cut, it might have made sense. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Release the Woo cut. I mean, I found this again. I haven't seen this movie in a long time, if not since 2000. And I found the overall plot strangely topical. <laughs> <laughs> So yes. let's create a virus that we can release out into the public. Let's talk about the fact that this came out in 2000 for a second. Yeah. This was the highest grossing movie in the year 2000. Okay. How? Bad year. No, it wasn't a bad year for movies no. either. Like the number two movie was Gladiator. The number three was Castaway. I mean, there were some good movies that year, but that's so weird. I mean, you got you have a sequel to a movie that did reasonably well. You have Tom Cruise, who at that point was a name that brought people to the theater. Yeah. Oh, I would say that still is a name that brings people to the theater. Although I have to quibble with what you said. Um, if we're talking about domestic box office, How the Grinch Stole Christmas did better than this movie. Ah, I was looking at International. Which is also not a good movie. <laughs> no, it's not a good movie. And International What Women Want was number four, and I was conveniently not mentioning that one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, or Meet the Parents. Um, I I enjoyed that movie. Okay, Meet the Parents is, in fact, like the best of its franchise. Um, Low bar, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, okay. That's a movie that uses late career hammy Robert De Niro to its best. Yes. <laughs> Better than The Irishman, that's for sure. Oof. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> Speaking of three and a half hour movies. Yeah, but that's only like the first three quarters of it. <sighs> oh, X-Men was number six. I like that movie. Yeah, X-Men was good. Uh, yeah. X-Men has uh, some interesting tie-ins to this movie. How so? Well, well, Doug Ray Scott was going to be in X-Men. Oh, that's right. But this movie's production was delayed because Eyes Wide Shut went on for like two years longer than it was mm -hmm. supposed to. And then this movie in and of itself went shot for an extra 40 days because of rain in Australia. Yeah. So Doug Ray Sp Scott was not able to be Wolverine. Uh, so Hugh Jackman owes his career really to this movie? Yes, his, well, I mean, I should say his his like leading man action his film Hugh Jackman career. owes his yes his film career to this movie <laughs> yeah um, interestingly Ian McKellen was asked to play the Anthony Hopkins role uh, but he was doing a play and wasn't able to do it if he had done it he wouldn't have been able to because of the production delays he wouldn't have been able to be in Lord of the Rings or X Men wow. That was a good choice. Yeah. Or or it wasn't really a choice, but that that I'm glad that happened. That worked out well for Ian McKellen. This yeah. is later in my notes, but why is Anthony Hopkins even in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> so he could say Mission Impossible. I guess. He he has some really questionable lines in this movie. Honestly, I thought it was even worse than it really was. I had to go back and turn subtitles on. Uh at the the, the scene where you see him at the end. Yeah. Um I honestly thought he said something complete, much worse than he actually said. Okay. So he says Miss Hall's blood has absolutely no elements of the Chimera virus. Mm -hmm. But with his accent, I thought he said the whore's blood. Wow. Okay. And I yeah. was, and I'm like, what the? <laughs> 
But thankfully, no. I mean, there is that line early on. Yeah, when, when that's he why says, I'm like, it wouldn't be that out of character. When he, yeah, so he's recruiting Naya to infiltrate Dugray Scott and his situation and everything. And Ethan Hunt says, well, she has no training. And he says, to go to bed with a man and lie to him? She's a woman. That's all the training she needs. It's like, wow. Yikes. Wow. Yeah. This is a movie in 2000. Yes, it is. Oh, man. Ugh. Yeah, that's why I was like, that's a like really, really bad thing for him to say, but at the same time, like, I was, I would have almost believed it, and then I'm like, okay, no, it was just me he- mishearing his accent. Okay. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Oh, the the whore line. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's doing his he's doing his um his Hannibal Lecter accent in this movie, mm-hmm. which is always confusing to me, but uh, my. It seems to me that Anthony Hopkins will pretty much appear in anything. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think he's... He doesn't have this... I'm not not saying that he doesn't have standards, but more (laughs) that if you're offering him money to appear in something, he will seriously consider it. Like, he was in one of the Transformers movies. Yes. One of the later Transformers movies (laughs) when they had really jumped the shark. Uh, I mean... They may have literally jumped a transforming shark at some point. I'm not sure. I'm not a huge fan of the series, but this is, I I promise, is not necessarily denigrating the Marvel Cinematic Universe in any way. But the presence of Anthony Hopkins and Ben Kingsley in these movies, like Ben Kingsley in in general has also jumped the shark, I think, in that I'll do anything right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to remember, Anthony Hopkins was in Thor, which was the second movie they did before anyone knew this was going to be a thing. Anthony Hopkins was in the MCU before it was the MCU. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it was, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Before it had the Disney money. Mm hmm. So I, I, I'm willing to bet. Yeah. That Anthony Hopkins, if you give him money, he'll, he'll show up in anything. Pretty much. Yeah. So this movie. Yeah. This movie. We start out with this weird, like sequence in Sydney. Mm hmm. So actually, hold on. Does Anthony Hopkins have a Paramount contract? Is that what's going on here? Because <laughs> the early MCU movies were Paramount films. That's, yeah, that's true. This is a Paramount film. Yeah. Transformers are Paramount films. I, I don't think they do that anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, like, thinking of that here. Yeah. Why has Anthony Hopkins not been in Star Trek is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Well, maybe one of the, like, two or three movies they've announced that they're going to do. Yeah, maybe. I, You know, that would be great. I would be fine with Anthony Hopkins showing up in Star yeah. Trek. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or Doctor Who that he he needs to turn up in. I'm surprised he hasn't shown up in Doctor Who. Yeah. get most British actors. I guess, uh, I guess uh, Patrick Stewart hasn't been in Doctor Who either. Yeah, I think Patrick Stewart's really the only major card they haven't played yet in Doctor Who. I I, I still can't forgive them for wasting in McKellen on a talking snow globe. But <laughs> anyway. Uh, that was Michael Gambon, wasn't it? No, that was Ian McKellen. Are you sure? Yeah. No, Michael Gambon was in the... Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, he was in that too. Yeah, so this, this scientist guy mm-hmm. in, in Sydney... We see him inject himself with something. Yep. And he's saying that he needs to be to whatever location he's going to in 20 hours or else he's basically screwed. 
and we find out he's flying to to Atlanta. I looked it up on Google, like today, like like not today, but contemporaneously. It takes 20 hours to fly from Sydney to Atlanta. It takes 20 hours and one minute, and there's a layover. There's no way he makes it, ever. There wasn't a Concorde from no, Australia. They, no, there? they flew from, it was Air France. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I was just thinking that would be the only way that I could think it would yeah. be possible. But they never did Pacific flights with the Concorde. No, I don't no, no, no. Like, if you make it 24 hours, maybe. Anyway, yeah, there's no way this guy makes it, period. Yeah, movies like to do stuff like that. They do. Australia is apparently trying to get a supersonic passenger flight going across the Pacific, but it has not yet happened. That would be very helpful to them. Yes. Especially, <laughs> yeah. And we find him sitting next to Tom Cruise in the plane. Tom Cruise has awful hair in this movie. Yes. I, I don't know what's up with that, but anyway. It was 2000. Yeah. Just be glad he doesn't have frosted tips. <laughs> I think this fake out works well. Yeah. You don't realize that it's not. Yeah. No. And I know it's not fair because this movie was made after, but I get serious uh, Dark Knight Rises vibes from the end of end of the sequence. Where they all jump out of the plane? They yeah. all jump out of the plane and the plane crashes. And I do like how the co-pilot wakes up and tries to level off right before they die. That's a nice little touch. Yeah. But yes, the, the mask works really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, even when he's like, you keep calling me Dimitri, you shouldn't. Like, you still, he still might just be Ethan Hunt at this point. Right. But it's not Ethan Hunt. No. It's Dugray Scott. It is Dugray Scott. Whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. No. Okay. Uh, it's Sean Ambrose. Sean Ambrose. Yes, thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of actors in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but yes, shot. It's yeah. Dugray Scott is. They're stealing the antidote, and I guess it's the antidote and the disease because he says he can transfer them together. Right, but he doesn't know. And I th- I like the setup here where he thinks that both are in that briefcase thing. Yeah. Also, how does the voice circuit thing work? Magic. Yeah. I mean, they use it later. It's it's a thing that they have. Yeah, in it is. Series. But- how does it work? I, I don't know. You put this little like microchip thing on your throat and you talk like the other person. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah. Okay. So that all happens. They jump out of the plane. The plane crashes. Yep. And we cut to Tom Cruise free climbing a mountain. And apparently he really did this. He actually had ropes that were digitally. Yes. Digitally taken out. But Yes. Like, the scene where he squeezes his knees into the crevice and then leans back, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm not no a big way. fan of heights, but still. Apparently John Woo couldn't watch. He was too scared. Yeah. I mean, this is your star doing this sh- this this stuff, you know? Like, uh, Tom Cruise also apparently lied to the insurance company and said he wouldn't do it and then did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Because that's just the kind of insane person Tom Cruise is. Yeah. I don't think anyone can do some of the things he does. The, the scene where he loses his grip and then jump, like he jumps to the other side and then loses his grip, like he's dead. Yeah, when he's holding on by one hand. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's, he, no, that, no, you don't, you can't do that. Also, what is the, why is this music here? It I, is I don't know. So bizarre. Hey, Mr. Sid, 
that sister, don't you let her drill you. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but when I look This this song is an interesting choice. Yes. Yeah, that scene where he's like facing away from the rock, holding himself up with two arms. I I don't know how you do any of this, um, yeah. and and not die. But then it would be a short movie. <laughs> uh, and and the question I always have for uh, I I have friends who are climbers. They're not really free climbers, but like, what do you do when you get to the top? You go back. You, down. You don't have ropes, so you can't repel your way back down. That is a yeah. I don't know. I would never free climb a mountain, or not free climb a mountain. I yeah. would never climb a mountain regardless. Perhaps because it is there is not sufficient reason for climbing the mountain. I am hardly in a position to disagree. Uh, <laughs> but yes, that's a very good question. How do you get back down? I like this airmail delivery thing where they shoot a little missile. Yeah, at and him inside has... is a pair of Oakleys that tell him. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, like, he flings them away and they blow up. I remember, I, again, it had been a while since I saw this, and I remember thinking, like, is that Anthony Hopkins? I'm like, it can't be Anthony Hopkins. And then, nope, it's Anthony Hopkins. It is, in fact, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And I like how the helicopter just flies away and doesn't pick him up. Well, yeah, what are they going to do? Well, yeah. Why would yeah. they Why would they pick him up? He's got to climb back down that mountain. Yeah. I, I guess wolf priority is pretty high. I guess. It, it pops up on his little glasses at one point. Yeah, it's the whole thing is interesting. Yeah. So he's told that he has to recruit. He, he can pick his team for this mission, but he has to recruit this one woman. They don't really say why, but they she's, do not. she's a burglar. So he goes to Spain. Yeah. And you can tell it's Spain because they do flamenco dancing. Yes. Apparently they were like trying that they tried to decide where this would happen. Like they they were naming a couple different countries and finally they settled on Spain because John Woo really wanted the flamenco dancing. Mm. Well, he got it. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, uh, she sneaks off to go steal something mm -hmm. and he's one step ahead of her. Yeah. I enjoy the, uh, like this stuff in the bathtub. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Bond, the whole, like, do you want to be on, can I get on top of you and all that stuff? Like feels yes. very James Bond. I like his his line. He says something like, "Like you're the one that put me in this position," or something yeah. When like she that. says this is very disconcerting, he's like, "I'm just I just do as I'm told." Yeah, right. Yeah, that's it. So he stops her from stealing, and she's driving away, and he calls her, you know, super secret burglar phone. I love the cell phone that she has. <laughs> How it's so thick. Yeah, it's just giant phone. Oh, the the odds. Like, why does it have, like, its sh its shape is bizarre. It has, yeah. like, a, like, spike that sticks out the bottom. Like, yep. did Motorola actually make a phone like this, or was this just a prop for this I, movie? I'm assuming they made a phone like this, but who knows. Like, you don't make a phone that looks that bad just for a movie. <laughs> Fair. Uh, we, we get a car scene that's right out of Goldeneye. Yes. Um... I mean, all it's missing are the bikers going up the hill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you got the scene where they're spinning and they're probably about to die and they're staring lovingly in each other's eyes because, you know, that's a thing. Well, yeah, like, her car's hanging off the cliff and 
he gets into the car with her. I'm like, just get into the other car. Yes. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can make Boola Loop in the other car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's especially funny to me because I just listened to our first episode. <laughs> uh, Because this is which, which which I just read that Monty Norman made up in that song, and no one else had ever heard that term before. Well, that makes sense because in the episode I mentioned, I looked it up. I mentioned mm-hmm. I looked it up in Urban Dictionary, and the only reference is that movie <laughs> is, is Doctor No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is actually our first episode recorded after we have published an episode. Yes, so that's exciting. Yeah, you know, no, we have no good reason for why it took us a year and a half to publish an episode but no you know. not, not at all <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they you know have the car crash they have the makeout session in the car that's dangling over the cliff yep they end up in bed together in a hotel somewhere yep and then he meets up with anthony hopkins yeah because he's mission commander strawbeck i think i think so yeah name Never appears again. Mm-mm. They should bring mission. They should bring Anthony Hopkins back in the most recent in the next Mission Impossible movie. Mm, maybe they bring enough other people back. They're bringing tr- back the that guy from the first one. Yeah. Oh, Kittredge. Yeah. Yeah. I would have rather had Kittredge in this movie. <laughs> yes, I would have rather not had this movie. Yeah. Well, without this movie, you don't get the other ones. That's true. Because. As bad as this movie was, and I don't think it's that bad. No, it's but, not terrible. But, I, I'm making jokes, but it's, yeah. this is an, a mediocre movie. This, it is not a bad this movie. This is the worst movie in the franchise, but it's not a terrible movie. No, it is better than the worst movie. It's better than Diamonds Are Forever. It's better than <laughs> uh, Live and Let Die. It's yeah. better than Man with the Golden Gun. That's, yes. So Tom Mankiewicz <laughs> did not write this movie. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's better than uh, Spectre. It's better than Octopussy. <laughs> Low bar, but yes. Yeah. Uh, it's better than A View to a Kill. Maybe. If Tom Cruise played James Bond in that movie, it might have been better. That's Yes. <laughs> that would have <laughs> solved a lot of the problems yeah. with that movie. Uh so, okay, so to to get to the meat of the scene. Yeah. I have a real issue with the entire setup of this movie, which to me, maybe I'm wrong, boils down to we wanted Ethan Hunt to meet this guy on the plane, but you weren't around, you were climbing mountains. So we got this other guy, Dugray Scott, to meet him. He turned out to be a complete psycho, and now we need your help. Yeah. Have I missed anything? <laughs> nope, that was okay. pretty much it. I mean, I like how Tom Cruise says it's a bad idea to fly him on a commercial carrier before he even knows that that's what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because Tom Cruise is better at everything than everyone else in this movie. Yes. Oh, can I also say I love the Kodak digital camera? (laughs) Because I have a friend who had one of those. Nice. Yeah. Also, I think John Woo needs to direct an, a, a superhero movie because he loves slow motion. He really does. Gotta love those slow motion pigeons like, at the end. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm just watching Tom Cruise walk past flaming stuff for reasons <laughs> in slow motion. Now, does this camera, 
is this one of the ones that shot the floppy disk? No. Okay. No, no, no. It it had a like a not an SD card, but compact flash probably. Yeah, compact flash. Compact flash was more common before SD, and it's actually still pretty common for uh, mm-hmm. professional cameras. Yeah. Well, because it has the, the the it's the same disk I think that they try to steal later. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a compact flash. They yeah. call it a memory card, I think. But yes, yeah. it's a it's a compact flash card. I don't think Kodak ever used proprietary memory cards in their cameras. They're not Sony. Which is weird considering they're Kodak and they kind of invented cameras or filming. They, they did invent cameras. They came late to the digital camera market because they viewed it as a fad. Well, yeah, that that's why they are no longer in existence. Yep. Well, no, I was going to say that Kodak never used a proprietary format. I was, you know, giving them props for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Because uh, some manufacturers did. Like, Sony used their own one of, like, five or six different well, memory stick formats. they still do that. that they, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that's what Blu-ray is. Well, yes, but <laughs> in that case, Blu-ray became the standard, so it's okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, like... Sony had their memory stick and the memory stick pro and the memory stick pro duo and all that. Yeah, that's true. Dumb things that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, I do remember that Kodak used a proprietary USB cable, though, for their cameras. I had a Kodak <laughs> back in the day. Those goofy little shaped ends that only fit one device. Yep. God bless the European Union for cracking down on that. Yeah. So here we find out that Naya used to be an item with Dugray Scott and they're essentially saying make nice with him and embed yourself with him literally and figuratively I guess to uh to spy on him right Mm -hmm. the scene on the balcony is the one that I keep reading was the one that they had real issues with each other um Tandy Newton and Tom Cruise but I have heard that Tom Cruise can be a very difficult person to work with. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I don't think he's bad in in this. No, I don't think he's bad in most things. No, he's no, I, I, yeah. There have rarely been times where I've thought, "Wow, you're wrong for this." I did laugh a lot when later in the movie when Dugray Scott talks about how t- how hard it was to pretend to be Ethan Hunt because you're running like an idiot every 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was pretty good. But yeah, no, I don't think... No, Tom Cruise is not a bad actor. He does a good job. It, mm-hmm. It's... No, uh, it, but this is just sort of a... Yeah, movie. Yeah, and, and like... If this movie were released today, I don't think anyone would think it's bad. No, they would think it's... It's standard, run-of-the-mill, generic, Michael Bay action movie crap. Well, I think even that's how people felt in 2000. Yeah. I mean, remember, it was the highest-grossing film internationally. It it was. So you get this weird thing where they send her to jail so that Dugray Scott can get her out of jail. Boy, they're lucky he did that. Yeah. You get a repeat of the uh, really large needle when they inject the thing into her leg. Yeah, that needle was way too big for that. Yeah. Also, how if it's an untraceable transponder chip, how do they how do they pick it, it up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's not how transponders work. <laughs> but yeah, they they follow uh, her 
to meet with Ambrose and at the same time we see them recruiting a couple people to help out and one of them is Bing Rames again, Luther Stickle, who I always like when he shows up. Mm-hmm. The other was a new guy named Billy Baird, who was apparently originally going to be Steve Zahn. Really? Yeah, I can okay. see it. Yeah. I, I will admit, like, every time it's the other guy, you think he's going to turn on them. Yes. But he actually doesn't. And I do like when Luther walks right in the, the sheep crap and says, shit. And Tom Cruise responds with, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is a really good satellite camera. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. they're watching Naya meet up with Ambrose on. Yes. Like, damn. Also, gotta love that close-up product placement sunglasses shot. Yeah. Well done. Well done, movie. <laughs> it's still not quite Sony Vio in uh, Casino Royale level, but... <laughs> no. Yeah, we, we know we're in Sydney because we see the Sydney Opera House. Many times. Well, I mean, I, I think it's like you can't show a film, something shot in Sydney without showing the right. Sydney Opera it's, House. It's like Big Ben in London. Yes. So this guy that works with Ambrose, Hugh, mm-hmm. what accent is he trying to do here? <laughs> Who the heck knows? I, okay. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't I don't know what he's trying to do. Or who he's trying to be. Tom Cruise really fell hard for, like, a one-night stand in this movie. Yeah. Also, it apparently doesn't last, since he's married to someone else in the Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's just... You know, for a movie that had an hour and a half of it cut to make it tighter, there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I could see cutting off half an hour. Oh, yeah, easily. Speaking of cutting off, we get uh, (laughs) Chekhov's uh, (laughs) severed fingertip here. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we do. This scene had me, like, cringing the whole time. I don't know, the idea of the cigar trimmer and your finger and... Yeah. I don't think you can cut off a fingertip with a cigar. I don't want to try, but I don't think you can either. Like, I, I, yes, it'll cut a cigar, but a cigar is basically dried leaves. I mean, well, a cigar, not even basically, a cigar is dried leaves. Yeah. I, mean, there, I don't, I, I think you could certainly injure someone's finger with a cigar cutter. I don't think you could cut off the tip unless, like, I don't think it's going to be sharp enough for that. Mm-mm. I'm not going to try. Uh, I mean, I have a cigar cutter, but no, I'm not going to try. Well, you only have your fingers to try it on, so I don't Right, yeah. <laughs> There's that, too. I'll have to kidnap somebody and then try it. Well, I'm not coming to visit anytime soon, then. <laughs> One little touch I give them credit for, uh, they show them at the race here, and they actually have the horses running the right direction, which I appreciate, because in... A- British horse problem. racing, they run the opposite direction from here. Oh, I didn't know that. They're they're running clockwise around the track. Hmm. So that's good. I, I honestly did not know that horse racing... I didn't know the right way. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, here, here they tend to run counterclockwise in the States. Yeah. Do they run the correct way in Goldfinger? Um, I don't know, because they didn't actually run... Ah, uh, that's true. We just see the horses a lot. Okay. Yeah. 
I guess we don't see them run any races in uh, in um, A View to a Kill either, do we? Not really, no. Or in... What's the one that has the fake horse? Oh, an octopusy with like the <laughs> fake horse butt? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we see them in um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, though. True. Do they go the right way there? I, I don't remember, actually. <laughs> okay, I was trying to think of... Movies and there's there's horses. that weird, pointless horse stuff in Quantum of Solace, too. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. Boy, there sure are a lot of horse races in Bond films. What's fascinating is there isn't a horse race in Diamonds Are Forever, even though, like, it's pretty important to the plot of the book. In the book, yeah. There's a lot in the book that isn't in the movie. Yeah. The book's better than the movie. It is. But I don't think there is a book of Mission Impossible 2. No. There might be a novelization. Maybe. Now I, want, now I actually want to know. Because <laughs> it would probably take from the Woo cut. Oh, maybe. Oh, here we find uh, Brendan Gleeson is in this movie. Yes. Plays John McCloy, whose entrepreneurial instincts occasionally overwhelm his financial acumen, apparently. Apparently only the first movie has a novelization. Oh. And you can buy it for $800 on Amazon. I will not do that. But you can also buy it for $10 on Amazon, so you know. No. I still probably won't do that. (laughs) Right. um, Brendan Gleeson is watching something bad on a camera. Yes. On the uh, compact compact flash card that is labeled on the card as Kodak Picture Card. But it is (laughs) a compact flash card. Yep. We note he puts it in his left jacket pocket. Tom Cruise and Tandy Newton do a terrible job of secretly watching each other in binoculars here. Yes. Well, they're really... This is another example of being really bad at being secret. Yeah. Well, they even... He even calls her out on it. Yeah. Well, like, he... She turns around and talks to him in the one point when they're supposed to, like, line up to place a bet and talk to each other without looking like they're talking to each other. Yeah, and then Luther shows up. Yeah, and gives them a camera. Yeah, because, you know, they're being so subtle right now. Yeah. I mean, I do like the, the the guy. How do they have this footage of the chimera infecting the blood? I, I don't know. Like, yeah, anyway. I mean, it could be a, I mean, it's obviously a CGI thing. Uh, yeah, but is it supposed to be? I think it's supposed to be a simulation. Okay. What I don't understand is this virus is supposed to disintegrate your red blood cells. So why is he hemorrhaging? Well, he's hemorrhaging like destroyed red blood cells. Yeah, but his his blood vessels are fine. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. It just looks dramatic, I guess. Yes, that's the big important thing. Yes, this is bad. They have a bad virus. Yeah. All right. A virus that kills this. It would be like Ebola, right? It would just uh, it would it would, you know, kill itself out. Yeah, I was going to say this is a bad virus. This is like SARS where. I mean, we're still in the... Recording this, we're still in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic. We will always be in the throes of the COVID-19 pandemic. But, like, the SARS pandemic that wasn't a pandemic didn't happen because the virus killed people too quickly. Because the a, a good virus keeps the host alive to spread the virus around. Yeah. So this would be like Ebola, where it's scary because it kills people, but because it kills people so rapidly and with such finality like 
it wouldn't spread that much. Right, and it it seems like you have to inject it into yourself. Well, there's that too. It doesn't it yeah. Is it also even contagious? I it doesn't seem to be. They act like it is. Yeah, there's yeah, I don't see how well this would work at all. No. What they really just have is a slow acting poison. Right. Which comes into play later. Well, yes. Uh I think it's just another case of people writing a movie who don't know how viruses work. <laughs> I like the 2000s thick LCD monitor. <laughs> so yeah, they know that Brendan Gleeson knows things. So yep. they abduct him. Mm-hmm. Like they went through a lot of effort of this by including the newspaper about him dying. That was... Yeah. And again, you're supposed to think that this is... I don't know, Dugray Scott and company, but it's not. I would have opened my window before lighting up a cigar. Yeah. But that maybe Well, I... no, it's easier to light it before you open it. Oh, okay. Because the wind would blow out your no, window. No, okay, that makes sense, yeah. So that actually does make sense to light it and then open the window. Because I have definitely sometimes... Sometimes the, I'll just... I'll do the trick where I go back inside to light and then come back outside. Okay. So, you know, that's a thing. Um, we find who we think is Ethan Hunt comes out to talk to Naya and tell her that she needs to stay where she is mm-hmm. and not leave. Like, there's a lot of masks going on right now. Yeah. Although I have a, I have a more egregious problem with one later on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the one you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they do it, but yes, I don't think it's feasible. Right. So speaking of masks, we have... Uh, we have Ethan Hunt pretending to be Vladimir, the scientist guy, talking yep. to Brendan Gleeson. And then we have... So Brendan Gleeson says something. He's like, it used to be that you would take penicillin and then and it would clear it would clear up any disease. I'm like, that was never true. No, no. <laughs> and aren't you a guy running a pharmaceutical company? Shouldn't you <laughs> know that? Yeah. I mean, it was great for infections, for bacteria, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, time was a shot of penicillin would knock off every bug in the zoo. No. No, not quite. So I do like this commentary of how the pharmaceutical CEO is concocting a virus just to make a bunch of money. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's just like what happened with COVID, Carl. Well, yes, of course. (laughs) That's that's why they're pushing those vaccines that we don't have to yeah. pay for. Because they want our money. Right. Anyway. They, yeah, it turns out that Dugray Scott is pretending to be Ethan Hunt. So he can find out what's going on with Naya. And then there's this whole thing about Ethan's going to break into the biosite facility to destroy the virus. And then we cut with Dugray Scott saying, basically saying he already knows what Ethan Hunt's going to do. And it turns out he's right. I like where he says that Ethan Hunt is going to do some aerobatic insanity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is correct. Mm-hmm. He does some aerobatic insanity through some bad blue, uh, green screen. Yeah. Yes, yes. Through a giant vent in the, in the roof of the building. Right. Also, I, I have to point out, this is not how you grow virus. No. Nah. I mean, this seems classic Mission Impossible movie, though. We're going to jump through this vent that's going to open, and then you only have a certain amount of time to get to the bottom. And Yeah, this is definitely a callback to the first one. Yeah. 
So here, here's where I also have another plot hole, I think. Uh, <laughs> oh, just the one? Just one. So at the very beginning, Ambrose thinks he has both the virus and the antidote that he's going to steal from the guy in the plane. If he didn't know he didn't have the virus until later, how does he know all the stuff about this lab? That's an excellent question. He knows everything about this lab, except, I mean, you would think he would have known what the virus was and how to get it anyway. Um, You're not supposed to ask questions in this movie. (laughs) Well, again, in the three and a half hour John Woo cut, it's all explained. It it probably makes more sense, yeah. Because all this movie needs is more time. Carl and I talked about this before we started recording. Apparently, John Woo's original cut of the movie was three and a half hours long, and the studio was like, no, you can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So... It was also rated R, apparently, so it got much more violent, I guess. Mm -hmm. I would, I'm sure it's not very good. I still Mm want to see it. I think they should release the Wu cut. Yeah, it'll be, it has to be better than the Snyder cut. (laughs) I have heard, did you watch the Snyder cut? I did. I have heard that it is better than the original version of the movie. That's a low bar. Right. But I also thought the original version of the movie was only okay. I didn't think of the DCEU movies. That one's, like, inoffensively bad. Yeah. Uh, It's not like Man of Steel or uh, Suicide Squad. No. Uh, But, or Batman versus Superman. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, like, I have no desire to spend four hours of my life watching a mediocre movie. I mean, my problem with all of these movies is that they fundamentally don't understand Superman. Mm. And they think Superman is like Batman, only he can fly. Yeah. Yeah, Man of Steel was pretty terrible. It was. It was offensively terrible, I thought. It made Superman Returns look good. I liked Superman Returns. (laughs) We've talked about this before. I I actually enjoyed that movie. I don't hate it, but it's not I, great. I, I wish Kevin Spacey weren't in it now, but... But he was so good in he that. He was good in it, I know. But anyway, this movie. So Ethan destroys most of the virus. Yep. And... And they blow up Luther's van. Yeah, and somehow he... They have the conveniently located puddle. <laughs> yeah, that was like right... I like it. The, I <laughs> yeah. like how we both notated that. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just... <laughs> Happened to be able to see in the puddle that the bomb was there and got out of the van in time. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they didn't blow up Luther. We get a very long shootout here in the lab that amounts to really nothing. I mean, other than the fact that Dugray Scott has Naya with him. Also, if I were putting a bomb under someone's van, Mm -hmm. I would probably have more than 20 seconds on the timer. To get away? Yes. Yeah. Especially considering that was a really big explosion. (laughs) I don't know how Luther survived. Yeah, because you see him, like, struggling with his jacket caught on something at, like, four seconds to go. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. There's Obviously, we got the shootout, because you got to have the shootout. Yep. We got another terrible line where Dugray Scott says something to the effect of, you know women, like monkeys they are. Yeah. What, what the hell? That is, yeah, wow. That's a line. I mean, especially talking about a woman of color. Mm-hmm. Yikes. I mean, he tries to he tries to justify the analogy in some way, and I honestly don't remember what he says because it's I'd already tuned out. It's like weird to me for me to imagine a period of time that I vividly remember as being so casually gross. Yeah, because like I remember the year two thousand. Yeah, we're not talking about sixties Bond films. No, and here's the thing: 
Mission Impossible 1 was not this gross. No. I, in fact, I don't think it was gross at all. Uh, there was the... John Voight had a couple gross lines. Oh, the the the, the tasting Taste the goods the line? Goods. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, John... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Robert Town is just a gross old man writing scripts into the 2000s. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. Um, I do like this twist here where they send... Naya out to get the last remaining sample of the virus, and she just injects herself with it because she knows she can't get killed then. Yeah. It, it's nice to see her have a little bit of agency for once in this movie. <laughs> just a <laughs> tiny bit of it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't work out at all, but... And then, of course, Tom Cruise has to jump out of the building. Yup. And then it turns out Ambrose's solution is to just let her loose in the middle of the city of Sydney to... I guess infect a whole bunch of people at some point like are you only contagious at the very end like how does it work i don't know they don't explain it how how are you contagious because he says yeah she's gonna go down in history as the typhoid mary of oz so it must like once you start showing symptoms then you're infectious i guess yeah but that's not how the virus worked in the lab i, I yeah i don't know well maybe it did work that way in the lab and they had to like quarantined or something maybe maybe he didn't have to shoot himself with the virus at the very beginning of the movie there's that too well yeah. that was how he got it through through uh security i guess yeah but he carried the antidote in his suitcase so right. who knows yeah also fun fact mm-hmm. do gray scott's house is made out of styrofoam <laughs> it's not a real house oh i was hoping it was a real house um, I read somewhere that Dougray Scott was actually thought to possibly replace Pierce Brosnan in the Bond series, and I'm glad that didn't happen. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't seen many Dougray Scott movies. I don't think he acquits himself very well in this one. What else has he been in? Not X-Men. <laughs> or Bond. Yeah. And then this ending feels very uh, GoldenEye to me, where all of a sudden he decides, I'm going to steal a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Like, he appears to mostly be on be a TV actor these days. Oh, Dugray? Okay. Yeah. That's a very big laptop. <laughs> it was 2000. It was. We get a classic Bond-ish, you know, I'm going to break into the villain's lair with slow-mo it's pigeons. It's a styrofoam lair. A styrofoam lair with slow-mo pigeons. Why are there slow-mo pigeons? I don't know. There's a lot of slow-mo pigeons. There are a lot of slow-mo pigeons. Well, apparently that's a John Woo thing, because he used it in Face Off as well. He learned from John Glenn, I guess, to put pigeons in everything. I guess. So, they instantly map the DNA on this microscope thing. That's not possible. Right. Even today, you can't do that. Like, I was in grad school in the early 2000s, and you had to send samples out to a facility to do this, and it took a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, just, yeah. But mm-hmm. there's going to be an outbreak of Chimera in downtown Sydney, and that's how McCloy can sell Bellerophon and make all this money. Oh, yeah, we should have mentioned it's Chimera and Bellerophon, huh? Oh, yeah. Chimera's the name of the disease, Bellerophon's the name of the antidote. If you're listening to this and haven't watched the movie, then you're <laughs> probably really confused. Yeah. Somebody read, like, a mythology book once and <laughs> thought that was a cool name for this like. Stuff. I, 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 I'm I not, like, gonna, like, recommend that you go out and watch this movie if you're listening to this and haven't seen the movie. But, <laughs> I mean, I you're probably gonna be confused if you're gonna listen to this and haven't watched the movie. Yeah. 
<laughs> but anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. We've got multiple scenes with fighting among the pigeons. <laughs> the pigeons aren't fighting amongst themselves. There's fighting with with it around pigeons. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, to be clear. Yeah. yeah. The humans are fighting among the pigeons. Yes. <laughs> as far as I know, the pigeons themselves have a pretty tranquil relationship with each other. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's this whole thing with Hugh. When Hugh eventually apparently brings Ethan Hunt back to Ambrose, like tied up with his mouth taped and everything and ambrose does his villain shtick and then eventually shoots who he thinks is ethan hunt Mm -hmm. and we find out because of Chekhov's severed pinky that it's there's been a switch played here how did ethan hunt know to make a mask of hugh and a mask of himself it's an excellent question (laughs) like I want to know how he didn't die when he shot that pipe bomb. That's a great question, too. Because all of the blast of that bomb goes out the barely open yeah. door, which doesn't make any sense at all. No, not at all. Like, that's not how physics work. <laughs> <laughs> you expect there to be physics in this movie? Also, I there's... What's with the glowing pigeon that flies through the fire? And <laughs> John Woo and his pigeons. Apparently. Yeah. And all this does is set up like an interminable action sequence to the end of this movie. Yes. Where you get bikes and cars and trucks. Oh, it goes on forever. And then even after the various vehicles are done with their thing, then there's the hand-to-hand fight that goes on forever. Forever. Yeah. Just so much happens and doesn't, yeah, they could have cut some of this. But apparently, John Woo, like, planned out all the action sequences and then came up with a plot to go with them. I mean, uh, yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah. And I I think the action sequences are fine. They're done well. They're just a lot of them, and they're too long. Yes. I, I find nothing wrong with, I mean, other than the pointless slow-mo stuff, like, the fight scene on the beach. Like, all of these stunts are really well done. Mm-hmm. It's just I need about half as many of them. Right. Yeah, it just happens a lot and just keeps going. Like, I always think about there's that episode of Deadwood mm-hmm. where there's the big fight in the street. Yeah. That feels like a real fight in the street because by 10, minute, 10 seconds in, they're exhausted. Oh, yeah. And it's just very clunky and just, you know, two big dudes throwing themselves at each other, but it's not choreographed. It's not stunt. You know, it it just feels real. Mm -hmm. And this is nothing like that. Like these two guys are hitting themselves over the head with rocks and stuff. And it just feels cartoony. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of green screen during this process. Yes. Like we made fun of rear projection a lot during Mm -hmm. the Bond films. And this doesn't look as bad as that, but it still looks (laughs) really fake. Yeah. Like, I love this Matrix thing that kicks off the fight when they, like, leap off their bikes. <laughs> like, what? what? Wait, congratulations, you've now entered a physics-free zone here. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that had been happening for a while. I mean, I do remember this from the trailers, though. 
Oh, yeah. And, like, of course, one of the bikes has a hole in the gas tank so it can explode. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. And then I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure how Tom Cruise gets the gun at the end. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, he shoots Dugray Scott on the beach finally, and then they manage to get the antidote to Naya just in time, as you do. Yeah, and I, I like that how Naya was about ready to throw herself off the cliff yeah. to prevent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, good. I did like that. Yeah. But the helicopter comes in and saves her at the end. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, we find out that there are no copies of Chimera left. It's all been destroyed. That we know of. Right. <laughs> Chimera is going to be show up again in a later movie. Yeah, watch. Do Grace Scott comes back from the dead. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, and they go back to Sydney for some reason? Yeah, I'm like, why, why would you vacation in Sydney? After all of this. Yes. Yeah. I think it's we we exhausted our budget. We can't go anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. They filmed the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which is why it took so long to film it, because it was apparently an extremely rainy year in Sydney that year. Mm. Yeah. Again, I think we talked about this before the movie started, but uh, yeah, uh, apparently uh, Ian McKellen was originally planned for the Anthony Hopkins role. Mm hmm. But he was performing in a play and couldn't do it, which worked out well for him. Because if he had done it, because of the delays, he wouldn't have been able to do Lord of the Rings or X-Men. That would have been travesty. Yes. If he had done this movie instead of both of those. Instead of either of those. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. he's in, he's incredible in both of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been, yeah. So it's a good thing we got Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. I would say Ian McKellen is one of the few good parts of X-Men 3. (laughs) Vinny Jones. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know I'm going to put the line in now. Don't you know who I am? I'm the juggernaut, bitch! And honestly, I think X-Men 3 is the the first movie to ever reference a YouTube video. Probably. Juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> Don't you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, because when was that movie? Like 2006? I mean, maybe, yeah. 2007, I think, maybe. Uh, no, it was 2006, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It like, was the same year as uh, Superman Returns, I think. Right. And, like, YouTube had been around for, like, two years at that point and yep. was not, like, the huge. It thing wasn't YouTube is. as it is today. No, there were no YouTubers. No, it was a better time. But yeah, there was a there was a well, a viral video, as they mm-hmm. used to call them. Yep. Uh, uh, there was it was a shot of uh, it was a, a, a clip from the X-Men cartoon mm-hmm. and it was dubbed over with somebody just be uh voicing the juggernaut saying stupid things and one of the things he would say is i'm the juggernaut bitch (laughs) and then yeah they did it in that movie and i laughed my ass off when that happened in the movie in the theater i'm like i just i just started laughing yeah leave it that's not a good ratner to do that that is not a good movie (laughs) no the de-aging they did on Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen for the flashback scene was pretty good. For the time, yes. I remember being quite impressed with that at the time. I mean, obviously Disney does it better these days. but Yeah, that was that might be the first time I've ever seen somebody do that. Yeah, that I think effect. it was the first time I saw it too, and I, yeah. and I remember being quite impressed with it. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, that was not a very good movie. No, no. <laughs> Neither was this one. But this is better than this X-Men is better 3. than X Men Three. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> X Men Three is only the second worst of the X Men franchise, though, because <laughs> X Men Origins Wolverine is much worse. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that one because I was like Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix or oh yeah, Apocalypse or- was mediocre. <laughs> So was Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix was is the better of the two Phoenix tellings of the X-Men movies. <laughs> Again, low bar, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> Dark Phoenix, I think... My, my big issue with Dark Phoenix is it was the end of the franchise, and it sort of just fizzled. Fizzled, yeah. They knew it was the last movie, and it... Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Like, they hired all these actors in the in first class, and then they all became stars. Yep. And it's like, oh, we can't keep you. We, you're too expensive. So, yeah, yeah. No, no. They'd never expected Jennifer Lawrence to become a, a no. household name. Michael Fassbender probably either. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know him before. He was first class. in things before, but not. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. I mean, James McAvoy was, but James McAvoy was well known before. Yeah, I mean, he was not like you know a triple A star or anything. No, but he was. I remember James McAvoy from the uh, Sci-Fi Channel uh, miniseries Dune. Dune. Yeah, the or the Children of Dune. Children of Dune. Yeah, and he was also in uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yep, he was. Yeah, uh, trying to think. Anyway, I mean, you got Nicholas Holt, who's now doing stuff in the Great, which isn't great, but he's good in it. Anyway, yeah, yeah, he didn't have any like major, like super major roles before that. I don't think. Mm-mm. He was in Inglorious Bastards. Yep. Uh, I just think of him as the boy from About a Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and I I mean, obviously Band of Brothers. Yes. Man, a lot of people came out of Band of Brothers, too. Oh, yeah, they did. Like, Damien Lewis really took off from that. Yep. Although, I, the first thing I ever saw Damien Lewis in was in the miniseries of uh, the Foresight Saga. So that's what I always think of him in oh, first. Oh, I didn't see that. But anyway. Yeah. I, I think we've mostly covered. <laughs> I, I, yeah, now I think that we're talking about everything about but it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was Mission Impossible 2. Yep. It was there. It was there. It filled It filled a role. Yeah. Uh, what was it another six years, I think, for the next movie? Yeah, 2006, I think. For Yeah, 2006 for Mission Impossible 3. This is almost at the level of Johnny English here. <laughs> well, because it was 2006, and then I think it was 2015 for Rogue Nation. Oh, no, Ghost Protocol came first in 2011. Ghost Protocol came out in between. That's there, still yeah. five years. So next week we will um, move on to Mission Impossible 3, the J.J. Abrams take on Mission Impossible, which I... It might be my favorite of all of them. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's my favorite, uh, personally. It has uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in it, and he's really good. Yep. And it's the first one with, uh, I am blanking on the actor, Simon Pegg. And they, again, they rotate around and they come up with Lawrence Fishburne this time to play. The, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah heads, of, heads of the IMF don't last very long. No, they, they don't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yeah, Mission Impossible 3, uh, you know, part of the the dream team of Abrams, Kurtzman, and Orsi. Yes, who and then went on to do Star Trek. Yes. 
And I would say probably making Mission Impossible 3 is probably it was probably brought them a long way towards that. Because, well, I th- you think know, that was Abrams first film. I believe so. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, we're talking we want to talk about uh, studios. Obviously, the, Mission Impossible and Star Trek are two of Paramount's biggest mm-hmm. franchises. Yep. So, yeah. No, and if Mission Impossible 3 came out in 6 and Star Trek was 09, they had to have started pre-production pretty soon after. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that's next week. Um, Indeed. And we will uh, look forward to watching that and talking about it again uh, with you soon. Yeah, and we now know that you will probably listen to this someday since we are actually publishing podcasts now. Woohoo! Woohoo!